Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Thursday 30-minute preview. My name is Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at ReachSummitPod. And if you haven't joined us for one of these previews before, this is a time where under in under 30 minutes, we look at one of the matchups for this week. This week, we are going to look at Kansas City versus North Dakota State. And actually, we have two people on that you guys have heard before. And Tim, why don't you start out because you were on the podcast for a different team that you cover for our website. Yeah, so Tim Hill here. I cover both Oral Roberts and Kansas City. So we'll be talking about Kansas City tonight as they match up with NDSU. And uh, yeah, you want me to dive in about Kansas City or or well, let, uh, pass it over to Brandon? Let Brandon introduce himself first. All right, go for it. I'm Brandon Jeffrey, uh, you know, volunteer writer for the site for North Dakota State and cover the NDSU Bison. And you guys might remember that Brandon was on with us just last week since we covered UND and NDSU last week. So, Tim, we got a, a preview of North Dakota State last week. We have not had a chance to preview to, with our audience the team in Kansas City. And especially since they're a new team in the Summit League, it might be uh, even more important to give a little bit of an update where they're at, uh, how the season has went so far, what kind of who they are as a program, that kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, Kansas City, they've kind of had a roller coaster of a season so far. Um, they played a really, like most people, I mean, I think NDSU maybe have had the most normal schedule in the Summit League, but besides them, uh, had a really weird non-conference schedule, playing a lot of non-D1s and then high major conferences. So there, it was really hard to get a look at them before conference season started to see where they're at. And then they've had a couple of key injuries um, this year that have definitely dampened some of their progress. And then they had this uh, off-court saga with Brandon McKissick, who's their star player. He, in my opinion, is the best two-way point guard in the league. Um, you know, if he was playing for either NDSU or SDSU, he might be the player of the year in my opinion uh he's that good but uh he had thought about transferring out but then don billy donlin had uh talked him back into staying so which has been good because he's his impact on that team makes them uh where they can battle for that fourth fifth seed in some league tournament to you know battling with denver western and omaha to getting their first win of the season um he makes that big of a difference for them but uh, even with that, they uh, they have a very particular brand of uh, defense. They that is their identity. It's they don't really press a lot, but once you get in the half court, uh, they are all up in your business, hassling you. And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter and even in our chats talk about watching them play defense. And I don't think a lot of you know Summit League is you know fairly offensive minded. And I don't think teams are really ready for, you know, they thought of Kansas City of old, who was just, a, you know, a terrible program. Um, and now they come in and they shut down everybody uh, with their defense. They've only allowed uh, one team to score over 70 in Summit League play. And that was last week against Oral Roberts when they won. So even when Oral Roberts eclipsed that 70 mark, they still lost to Kansas City. 
But uh, the biggest thing for them is they don't have much offensive firepower. Um, they have, as I mentioned, Brandon McKissick, who can he can get his own points. Loves to drive downhill from the top of the key, going left or right, mostly left, and he can shoot from the outside and just a terrific on-ball defender. And then they have a five-man, Josiah Alec, who is kind of an old-school post player. He, you know, nothing flashy. He's not going to have big dunks or anything, but he's long and can rebound well. He can step out, shoot a little bit. Uh, but he has this he has this uh, nasty little hook shot that's really effective. You see him get the ball on the left block. If he starts to back his that guy down, just wait for him to step through for a hook shot, and that's his moneymaker. Um, and then, you know, they have a couple other guys. Uh, one, one other guy is an undersized forward, Marvin Nesbitt Jr. When he plays, he is just a force on opponents' uh, post players, and but he's really small. But he, you know, I don't really know what happened. He got injured against USD a couple weeks ago, but didn't look like anything happened. So hopefully it's not one of those scary internal injuries that you couldn't see that could be a long-term effect. I still haven't found anything out about where he's at, but he provides a scoring and rebounding punch for them as kind of their third primary player. Um, And then... This last weekend, oh, what? What's that? I just wanted to on on um, Nesbit. It's really tricky with Kansas City because, as far as I can tell, Coach Donlin doesn't do a coach's show. So yeah, uh, I have not I have not I, seen anything either. It it looked like it might have been a head injury just by the way they were uh, yeah. working him, but I have heard nothing. Um, so I, I, I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't find anything, and I kept rewinding that play to see what had happened i know he was kind of covering his chest to it sometimes so god i hate to hear that it's one of those like freak deals that you hear in basketball where a guy you know has a heart issue or something you know don't don't write that down to anybody listening that's just something i hope that's not a case but yeah it was a weird thing because it wasn't like a big collision or he twisted an ankle or buckled a knee it was just Play was over, and then all of a sudden he's bent over, hurting, and they took him out of the game, and he was done. So, um, and then he didn't play at all last weekend against Oral Roberts. Right. Uh, and then Demarius Pitts was also out last weekend too, who's kind of another key guy for them. Um, they have a lot of guys that are pretty much the same: six four, six five. They switch a lot of things and. Uh, can score a little bit, play a really good defense. He was out last weekend, so I don't know his status either. Like you said, Donlin plays things close to the chest. And then, speaking of that, they brought in a transfer literally out of nowhere. I was listening to the broadcast. Uh, Adam Hildebrandt, I think is his name, the play-by-play guy at Oral Roberts. And I was thinking what he was saying, like, who's number 14? Who is this guy? I don't have him written down anywhere. And and he sticks out. He's 6'5", 235 pounds. He looks like a linebacker. So <laughs> you can't miss this guy. And it uh, turns out he arrived on Monday of that week. He was uh, formerly with University of uh, Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC. Um, had some... Uh, 
good promise there and then had some injuries. He was part of the historic upset, 16 over a one, when they beat uh, Virginia a few years ago. Uh, had a really good sophomore campaign for them, averaging uh, 10 and 6 and shot the three uh, really well that year, but kind of dipped since. So um, you're going to see a lot of him playing in the post, uh, guarding, you know, whether it's if uh, Alec is out, guarding Rocky, maybe guarding Grant Nelson or uh, Harden Hayes. Uh, he looks like a guy that can guard one through five. Um, he's still learning. Kansas City's offense. He only knew a couple plays coming in, so he mostly just sits in the corner um, for catch and shoot, or may, might get a put back. But he he can defend really well. Yeah, played thirty minutes a game and uh, five days after arriving on campus. It felt very NBA like. Uh, yeah, it was really uh, bizarre. <laughs> Uh, so, so Brandon, I know you gave a recap of North Dakota State season last week, so we probably don't need to go that in depth. But anything changed in the last weekend? They played Denver, handled their business like we we would have expected. Anything new with North Dakota State? Um, not a lot. It was actually two weeks ago uh, that we recapped them uh, before oh. UND, um, which I'm still trying to forget about their their little overtime loss up there because that was that was a little rough to handle, but. Um, you know, that game, uh, I was yelling at my, my TV, uh, all weekend, uh, about Dave not playing Jackson, no tech, uh, and basically running a six man rotation on back to back nights. Second game goes into overtime. Uh, we have three guys play over 40 minutes, um, and we lost. And, right. uh, I, I think that just, I don't think we'll see that again. I think Dave learned that in that situation. Um, and he said, actually said that on his coach's show on Monday that, you know, he probably should have played those guys, you know, uh, McKinney, um, and Jackson and even, um, you know, maybe Biggs, uh, you know, Dell Wilson, a few more minutes to give those guys uh, a little bit of rest, even though it was a tight game. Um, and so hopefully, uh, we kind of learned that lesson went forward, but it was just a situation where, you know, guys weren't closing out as quickly, uh, weren't pushing the ball as much, um, you know, weren't getting the rebounds uh, quite as efficiently. And so it was just like the, you could just tell it was just a little bit of a body fatigue thing um, where things weren't happening as fast. Uh, and so going forward, <clears throat> I think regardless of injury status, uh, I, I think we'll see a little bit longer rotation uh, than that, uh, especially after, you know, they gave up. Uh, low for, I don't know if it was a school history low, but it was for a really long time in 45 points uh, the first game and then, you know, came out and gave up 81 and lost the next night. So um, definitely there's, there's definitely a, a trend that you don't like to see uh, there. So uh, this last weekend at Denver um, came out pretty flat on, on Friday, to be honest with you, didn't play particularly well. Um, but Denver was without their top two guys, uh, you know, they showed up and, um, expecting, you know, they're expecting one guy to be out. Uh, but then, um, I'm blank Townsend ended up not playing Friday night, uh, with a little lingering injury. Uh, and so I don't know if coach Richmond talked about it on his show as well. You look over the Denver team, uh, when they're without, without Townsend alone, um, 
you know, that's a lot. But when they're also missing, and I'm blanking on his name, maybe you can help me out here. Robert Jones. Um, yep, Jones. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's been out for a few games now. So they're missing the top two guys. Uh, all of a sudden, they don't look like, you know, a team that's probably going to give you too much trouble and maybe you relax a little bit. Um, so still a 12 point win, but Denver was in it till probably about the last six minutes of the game. Uh, but then Saturday came out, uh, and played probably their best basketball game of the season. I would say, uh, from start to finish, um, a lot of rotation, a lot of the bench guys got in, played significant minutes. Um, you know, Rocky and, and Griesel and Edie got some time. I think they all just played a little over 20 minutes. So they got a little bit of rest. Uh, and so good experience, good weekend for the team. I don't think, uh, you know, other than it starting a little bit better on Friday, I don't think could ask for it to go much better uh, than it ended up going. Other than that, uh, you know, Skunberg and, and Malik Harden Hayes were still out. Uh, and it sounds like their game time decision for this weekend. Um, and so we'll, we'll see who's back. If any, if not, I think no tech played really well. Uh, last weekend, I think Desmond McKinney gave some good minutes, and we saw the first uh, minutes on Saturday for Donald Carter the third, uh, the JUCO transfer who broke his leg in the spring, um, and so maybe he can start uh, contributing a little bit more now that he's got his feet feet wet a little bit. So those are a few of the updates that have happened since a couple weeks ago. But um, the team's definitely trending in the right direction. Uh, if they play like they did on on Saturday, they're going to be really tough for anybody in the summer league to beat. Well, and it was really nice to see no tech back out there, a guy who was starting, I believe at the beginning of the season and then really fell off the rotation. I, I just always feel good about a guy who gets his chance again. And I think he scored double digits in the, in the second game. I had yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. He had 11 in the second game. Um, I didn't, I didn't get it personally. Um, you know, Dave always tightens his rotation, you know, once you hit uh, league play, that's kind of the way it is. So Skunberg was getting the minutes and Notech went to the bench. And from what I'd seen in league play, I thought Notech had done better in the out of conference. I thought he was more consistent. Um, and then, you know, even when they went up to Grand Forks and, and Skunberg was out, he didn't play. Uh, and so it was frustrating as a fan. I really like Jackson Otek's game. Uh, he's very aggressive on the offensive end. He's probably the best shooter on the team. Uh, him and Edie are definitely probably the most consistent. Um, and so it's frustrating to see him on the bench and to see him, you know, come out. I was really pulling for him to play well, and he played well all weekend. So uh, hopefully he'll he'll keep his spot a little bit in the rotation. Because, um, yeah, it was weird. He played, I think, 29 minutes at TCU in the last out-of-conference game, and then hadn't played a minute after that until this weekend so oh, fascinating i mean just a fascinating change so i wanted to talk about a subject on these two teams they're both defensive-minded teams both coaches clearly emphasize it and tim you had mentioned in on kansas city's side they've been compared to a football team sometimes so the it is physical hardworking defense when it comes to Kansas city. The problem with them is they tend to put a team on the line a little bit too often because it is very physical, uh, very just constant physical pressure. Do you guys yeah. think it's going to be a low possession defensive series, or do you think one of the teams will surprise us? And Tim, you can start. I think game one, definitely. 
um, just because I, I haven't really watched much of NDSU this year, but very familiar with how Dave operates his program. Um, and they're kind of similar in the turn in how they um, mindsets, I should say, not similar styles, but similar mindsets. They like to run a lot of action in their offense to run the clock down, catch someone off guard to get an efficient shot, and then really um, grind you out on the defensive end. And so that's exactly what Casey is going to do. Uh, Donlin is a um, John Beeline protege, um, so he plays that very similar style, uh, but Beeline always had shooters and plays a little bit faster. So um, – he doesn't have quite the offensive skill set, but they are really effective on defense when they can get that Princeton action. A lot of those cuts, uh, swinging the ball, um, just moving the ball around to where they catch you off guard sleeping, whether they dump you in the post or maybe a guard gets a mismatch and drives to the hoop. And so, you know, they if they can do that and really slow the game down, then they're really going to turn up the heat in the half court on defense, try to make, try to use their, um, because they are going to be smaller versus NDSU, use their quickness to really get up into, you know, NDSU's big guards, try to make them turn it over, make bad passes. And while they are short, they, they're pretty long arms wise. So they can deflect uh, in the passing lanes, but they really, they really like to get up in your in your business and uh, not let you have your personal bubble. And so they'll definitely try to do that, especially with the size advantage NDSU is going to have. And then they've had success. Game two kind of picking up the pace a little bit in the second half, using their smaller, quicker size to their advantage. And so that will be the key to them getting at least one. But, you know... I, I definitely see it being a low possession series, really grinding out. Casual fan probably won't enjoy watching this series, but uh, breaking it down is always kind of fun to see which teams really um, force their will on the other and who can win that matchup. So it'll be fun to watch in that aspect. Brandon, what do you think? Do you think we kind of have a slower, slowed down low possession series? Uh, I, I I think it's going to be interesting. I do think game one will end up that way uh, for two reasons. Um, number one, it sounds like McKissick might be out this weekend. Uh, I was given, I think I saw on Twitter today, a 95% chance that he's not playing. Uh, so I think without his scoring ability, I think, uh, I think UMKC is really going to, NDSU is going to pack it in like they always do and make you shoot from the outside. And without him to shoot it, um, I don't know that they have the firepower to put a lot of points up. And with the size advantage that NDSU is going to have, one through five, um, I, I think they're going to work their offense, take care of the basketball, and get somebody on a mismatch in the post and try to chip away two points at a time. Uh, that's kind of how I will I, I see this game going, the first one especially. And then it'll all depend how the coaches decide to adjust uh, to what happens on Friday uh, for Saturday. Um, but, you know, NDSU, you know, I've, I've been not a huge fan of the Dave Richmond weave offense and, you know, running the shot clock down and waiting to the last second to throw up a shot. But since 
about them since the end of the showcase, uh, starting with the TCU game, um, they've opened the offense up quite a bit. Uh, they push the ball in transition a little bit more. They take shots earlier in the shot clock if they're there. They still they still don't force anything, uh, so they will work the clock. But if there's an open three, you know, with 22 seconds left in the shot clock, they'll take it. Which you know, at the beginning of the season and in in previous seasons, that's that's a shot that they wouldn't take. And so, NSU scored 80 points in three of the last five games. Uh, they are scoring a little bit more. Um, so we'll see if the UMKC defense can pester them enough. I, I think it's going to come down to turnovers for sure. Uh, if, if NDSU takes care of the ball, I think they'll score fairly efficiently, but UMKC's pestering defense is not going to make that easy. So um, it'll definitely take some adjustment and feeling that out uh, as to how that, those games go. So I had, a, I had a couple other notes that we were going to talk about, but I wanted to jump down to the matchup you guys are most excited to see. Which which matchup this week are you guys most excited to watch? Ah, uh, well, my my input on this one is kind of thrown to the uh wayside if uh McKissick truly is and I I just, I just now found say, the information. <laughs> I was just going to say it looked like that might change as on the fly here, but uh yeah. I uh, the ORU fan base, I always get some interactions with them, but I don't have much with KC, so I was uh, not aware. I just went to one of their uh, chat boards and found it that he's injured. I was going to say McKissick versus Greasel to see, you know, does the bigger long-armed Greasel uh, use his size advantage or does, you know, McKissick use his um, quickness and strength to be able to take him off the dribble, but hard to say now. Uh, what that is I know when they played St. Louis before conference season started that was a real problem they used some long-arm defenders to take the ball out of uh, McKissick's hands and yeah if he's not playing this weekend that that changes everything but uh, you know see Josiah Alec versus Rocky Cruiser uh, will be a fun matchup just because they're both very talented bigs and then see who they put uh Arkel Amaron and uh, what he provides this weekend. Can he duplicate, you know, his, uh, you know, some really add more punch to them or, you know, will Dave have him scouted out and they know what he does and won't be as surprised. So I think that's where I'm really intrigued to see what happens this week. Brandon, how about you? Yeah, I think, I think the cruiser Alec matchup is, is definitely going to be kind of the one to look at with, if, you know, um, if McKissick is out, uh, McKissick does play. I think, I think honestly, I think it'll be Edie, uh, that will get the draw, uh, on him defensively. Um, he's, Edie's been taking, he had Townsend last weekend when he played on Saturday. Uh, and so he's kind of routinely been on the other team's best perimeter player. Um, and that switches off sometimes with Harden Hayes, but obviously Harden Hayes has been out the last, uh, last two weeks as well so about a week and a half. Um, and so I, I, I think the cruiser and Alec is going to kind of determine if, if cruiser can contain them and probably Grant Nelson, uh, as well. And, and maybe even a, a little Odell Wilson. Um, I think UMKC is going to have a hard time scoring the basketball with, without McKissick. Uh, I'm interested to see Lamar play. Uh, I just, I found out about that yesterday. Um, right. just kind of looking into some things. I was like, who's, who's this guy that's only played two games and where did he come from? And 
um, <laughs> then I looked, I just pulled up his profile and saw he's six five two thirty five, And I just, I wondered if they pulled him from, you know, a local football team, uh, to just come play some <laughs> basketball for like a body. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like he's to just kind of, I'd just kind of like to see him and, and Odell Wilson just, just hammered out in the post for, for 40 minutes. I think, I mean, Odell is, is built the same way. He played defensive line in high school. Um, you know, he's 6'6", 245, you know, and just watch those two just battle in the post would be would be quality basketball as far as I'm concerned. But um, given Odell's lack of minutes, I don't know that we'll see a ton of that. But, uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch a couple of those matchups just because, you know, UMKC, when you look up and down their stat line, you, like you said, they've had injuries all over the place. They haven't really had to this point this season a consistent starting or even rotation um, of players uh, just because the guy's in and out of the lineup. So I don't know if that makes it easier uh, as for NDSU to kind of look at and say, well, we're just going to take what comes with us on the, on the floor or if it's a lot more difficult to prepare for because you don't you know, really know who's coming at you. Well, and that that will be the interesting part. It, I I'm curious to see if there's any news on Pitts or, um, gosh, no, I'm blanking. Uh, Nesbitt. Nesbitt. Yeah. Not, not either of those players uh, for this weekend, because McKissick is the straw that stirs the drink, and if he's out, it's going to be tough. That'll lead us to what do we think will happen this weekend, and. Uh, that news makes a difference in what we think will happen this weekend. Tim, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, like I alluded to earlier, um, the talent that McKissick has, what he brings to the table, um, he would be a probably a front runner for player of the year if he was on NDSU or SDSU. He's that good. And they are either in the Summit League tournament or not without him, just depending on how it goes. So, if he can't go this week and with the uncertainty of Demaryius Pitts, Marvin Nesbitt Jr., um, unfortunately, I see it being a pretty clean sweep for the Bison. Um, if those guys are back, hopefully they are just because I like to see all Summit League teams at full strength because as much of a Jackrabbit fan as I am, I'm a huge Summit League fan, so I like to see everybody at full strength. So they can get those guys to play. Um, I could see them stealing game two. I think game one, they'll kind of rope-a-dope with NDSU to try to you know, gas them out and then maybe take game two like they've had some success this year so far in, in Summit League play, but they – that lack of offensive firepower is, is a big concern with them. They just don't have the shooting to open up lanes or spark a big, quick, you know, 10-0 run. They, they just don't have the capability to do that. And so if McKissick is out, it should be a pretty clean sweep for NDSU. If he's in, then it's uh, it could be a competitive series. So we'll see. Brandon, how about you? Yeah, I, I agree. I think... I think NDSU would would sweep with or without McKissick. I just I think they're playing a really really solid brand of basketball at the moment. They're kind of hitting their stride. Um, of course, I said that when they went up to UND and then lost as well. But uh, no one they... will back on again if they lose again this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I'm I, I'm I won't come back on the podcast if they go one and one again after I say they're going to sweep. 
Um, or I'm just going to start saying they're going to lose both, and maybe we'll try right. some reverse psychology. Um, but I just, I, I, without McKissick, you know, especially if, if Nesbitt and, and the other guys aren't back, uh, they're just going to have a lot of, you know, deep in the bench guys. And even if Nesbitt um, does, and Pitts do come back, they haven't played in, what, two or three weeks. So you can expect some rust and those kind of things. Um, the only way I see UMKC stealing one is it turnovers. Uh, Dave's number one thing is taking care of the basketball. So I, I don't anticipate that they'll make a ton of mistakes. Um, I'm guessing we might see a little more McKinney and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe we'll see a little more DC three this weekend just to get a true point guard to handle the ball a little bit more. Um, because, you know, if we, we're not going to, you're not going to be able to play guys 38 minutes against that defense. You'll, you'll gas yourself out just like, just like Tim alluded to. So the bench has to be there. If Harden Hayes, uh, and no tech can't go, uh, yet again, um, I think we'll see a lot more DC three and, and, um, and maybe, you know, no tech, uh, as well as Dennis McKinney in there. And, and hopefully they can kind of alleviate some of those minutes and make sure that they got enough gas for, for the full length on Saturday because I've played against teams that play defense like UMKC in my playing days and it, it's frustrating and it's annoying and it's tiring because you, you just do everything in your power to make sure you're taking care of the basketball and then you got to go defend them on the other end. So um, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see how that plays out. But um, FNDSU continues to shoot fairly well like they have been um, and continue to work their offense and get it in the post. I think UMKC is going to have a, a tough time hanging with them, uh, minus you know a, a twenty turnover game, uh, which obviously is what they're chasing. The other kind of key stat is NDSU is one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. So if they do get in that foul trouble, um, that'll allow NDSU to probably spread that gap a little bit and put some put some space between the two teams. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. I just don't see how they have enough offense with, especially without. I didn't think that before McKissick was probably out, but I certainly don't think that now. I do think it'll be closer. What we've seen so far from Kansas City is everything is closer than you think it would be, even when they're losing uh, two and four, and they haven't had the easiest schedule. Sometimes the the schedules have helped out teams. And Kansas City's played Oral Roberts in some tougher games. Uh, even North Dakota, as they've shown, can can bite a team. I just don't see how they have the offense to do it. I, I will be really fascinating to watch the adjustment if McKissick is out, because then I feel like the pace will even be slower and the physicality will go up, and it'll be an interesting series. And it's, yeah, and it's not that... – oh, oh, it, it, it's not even really, you know – the pace, I think what makes the difference with having McKissick in on the offensive side is he's he can make his he can get his own shot. He can take anybody off the dribble and start from he loves to start from top of the key and can take it to the rack on anybody. And, but they don't have anyone else that can do that. So if he's not there and with their lack of shooting, then it's yeah, they'll they'll collapse on Alec and give him all kinds of problems. So that that's where you're going to see the problem is not being able to have a guy that can create offense in the half court. Cause right. they can bring it up pretty well. They all play very similar in that aspect. You'll see probably Zion Williams handled the ball for them or Sam Martin. 
Yeah, and I was just going to say the only the only other catch is uh, you know NDSU is the only team uh, you know counting Oral Roberts, but Oral Roberts is off this weekend. That's played all eight games, um, you know, and will go to ten this weekend. So they are the only team that's not had a buy of any sort, not had a cancellation. Um, assuming the games this weekend stay on the whole time, um, so you know, whether there's fatigue there, I don't know. I think with the five days off, I think they get enough time to rest, but, um, that is the, the other kicker is that, you know, uh, NDSU's bye is the week after this game. So running into Kansas city, if there is any season fatigue is not the ideal matchup either. Yeah. Good point. All right, with that, gentlemen, we will wrap up this week's episode. I appreciate the two of you and everybody on the website because you guys make us sound a lot smarter. Um, (laughs) And so I appreciate that. And uh, we will see you guys next time you're on. All right. Thanks. Thanks, sir.